Hello, Strange Stories UK here, episode 4. This episode is a true story of a country line's drug supply which went badly wrong, resulted in murder and long jail sentences. Ace's name was Daniel Onifagari. He was born in July 1997. Max's name was Nicholas Bridge, born in July 1999. They were two young males who lived in the Brixton area of London. Although in different years they attended the same school, the Evelyn Grace Academy in Brixton. Ace had moved to the UK from Nigeria when he was 11 years of age. Max was born in London. Max developed a drug habit from around the age of 16. It's estimated that in the UK perhaps 6% of 16-year-olds have taken cocaine. Max was part of that cohort and he was in debt. Max was told that a quick way to make money was to go OT, out there, to a country location and sell drugs. Max started selling drugs in late 2016. In March 2017 he was caught dealing Class A drugs, but was given a non-custodial sentence. As he could make a profit of up to £100-£200 a day selling drugs, he continued to do so. Max and Ace are their drug names. Max's nickname was actually Jigs. Ace was known as Dan. Max was a promising student and thought likely to do well in his business apprenticeship. While at college, Max met a fellow student who was a drug dealer and she introduced him to the business of drug dealing. Max did an internship at Crawley, Crawley in Sussex where a friend of the college suggested that the market town of Horsham in Sussex was a promising place to sell drugs. In the summer of 2017, Max stayed at three addresses of addicts in Horsham to deal in crack and heroin. But he decided he needed to find someone else to stay in Horsham, as Max wanted to be based in London. Ace seemed a promising candidate. He was not a user, he needed money and he had time on his hands. Ace had fallen out with his parents and was sofa surfing in South London, in the Brixton and Deptford areas. He had dropped out of college and was doing some agency zero contract construction work, which was uncertain. Some weeks there was no work offered and money was always tight. Some nights when he had nowhere to go, his girlfriend would let him secretly into her room, avoiding her brother who would have beaten Ace if he would caught him. Ace was in quite a desperate situation and needed to find some money in order to start a college plumbing course at Clapham. Ace had received police cautions for cannabis and there were some low-level criminal damage and assault charges dating from March 2017. Max started Ace as his partner. Max would stay most of the time in London while Ace spent most of his time sofa surfing at drug addict studio apartments in Horsham. He dealt in light crack cocaine and dark heroin. Ace would scale the drug and put them into wraps. A wrap of cocaine would sell for £10, two wraps being £15, three wraps £23. <coughs> Customers would be given Max's phone number. Max would then phone Ace who was told what was required and Ace also kept a record of these deals. When the supply was getting low Ace would return to London to restock from the London dealer as he held the money. Drugs would be ordered over the phone, a phone kept by Max, who would contact Ace and tell him what to prepare. 
So there's regular contact between Ace and Max. In a straight line, it's 31 miles between Horsham and Brixton. Ace was unhappy in Horsham because he was so far away from London and he rarely saw his girlfriend, who he called Queen. Ace was hoping to make £300 a week. During September 2017, Ace was staying at a property at South Holmes Road, Horsham, at a studio flat of a petty criminal well known to the police called Darian Bates. Darian was paid in drugs for letting Ace steal from his flat. Ace slept on the sofa while Darian had a mattress on the floor. Ace had been told by Darian that it would be best if he found somewhere else to stay because the police were on to him for his speciality crime of breaking into parked cars. For which, for now, he's been now been convicted and is serving a sentence for 20 separate offences committed in less than one year. As Ace was dealing drugs in the property, the police could come round with a search warrant at any time. A couple of miles from the South Holmes address was another studio flat located at Burton's Court next to the town centre. This was a well-known meeting place for addicts. The tenant of this social housing flat was a Dickensian villain-like character who dealt in drugs called Ricky Ayres. He had lived there for about six years. Ricky was an addict with a criminal past. He had a thin face, straw-coloured hair, about 5'11", poor posture, aged 48. He had served time in prison for stabbing his brother in the face with a beer glass. The flat had acquired a reputation as a crack house and the doors had been strengthened with extra locks. A number of local addicts and petty criminals used the house as a meeting place. There had been violent incidences at the flat during the past couple of months. Someone had been attacked with a meat cleaver and another person had ammonia thrown into their face. These were the reported incidents involving the police. Ricky and his drug buddies were being careful and if an unknown person wanted to buy drugs, they were invited to consume the drugs at the flat in case they were an undercover police officers. Ricky and his drug buddies had all known each other for some years, most of them having attended local comprehensive schools in the area. Most were in their 30s and 40s, some of them having regular work. During the evening of the 18th of September, Ace was at the South Holmes address. The next day he was hoping to travel up to London to see Queen, as it was their anniversary of their first date. It was also supposed to be the first day of his new college course. Ace also had to buy more drugs as his supply was low. Ace intended to wrap the last of his supply and take the cash to Brixton where the dealer was based, to pop up his supply. Ace had a separate compartment in his boxes to hide his supply, usually wearing two pairs of boxes under his jeans. When, when he travelled to London, Ace would buy a ticket to the next station just to get through the barriers, and he would jump train when he arrived in London. Queen had been upset with Ace for not contacting her often enough and being away for periods of time. Ace had let it be known to Max that he needed to go back to Brixton to see Queen as the next day he had planned to take her out for a birthday meal celebration at Nando's. In the early hours of the 19th of September, about 2.30am, while Ace was using the toilet, it seems that two people, later identified as Tony Williams and Graham Court, had entered the flat. Probably at the connivance of Darian, who had left the door open for them, they took the wraps they found on the table and some cash, the total value being about £100. Darian told Ace 
The two men had come in the flat in balaclavas and baseball bats and left with what they found on the table. Ace seemed to have doubts about this when he was told and he told Darian to inform Max about the theft. Ace still had drugs and continued dealing throughout the night up to about 4.30am by which time Ace had taken about six bills for the day, £600. During the morning of the 19th of September, just before noon, Darian phoned Max to tell him of the attack and that perhaps a local man called Ricky Ayres would know something about it. Max said he was planning to come to Horsham that day with his pregnant girlfriend of the last two years, who we shall call Lou. At about quarter to two, while waiting for Max to arrive, Ace decided to exaggerate the small theft of that morning to Queen, to excuse the fact that he had not been in contact with her. He said that he'd been rushed and robbed and that Max was on his way to Horsham. The truth being more likely that it was a small sneak theft. Max and Lou arrived in Horsham at about 4.40 and they were collected at the station by a friend of Darian's called Jimmy Lamb, also known as Chinese Jimmy. He drove them to Darian's flat. It's difficult to ascertain what happened at the flat as Darian and Chinese Jimmy seemed to be hostile witnesses. Neither defence or prosecution decided to call them to give evidence, although they were central characters in the events that have unfolded. Hostile witnesses could be summoned to appear, but if the defence and prosecution don't think they will be helpful to the case, they won't be called. Hostile witnesses may be scared, mentally ill, or just refuse to get involved. Later it emerged that the police did interview Jimmy, but no statement was taken, as the police thought he was telling a pack of lies. Jimmy had to live in Horsham, and he knew the Horsham drug scene, so probably didn't want to get anybody or himself in trouble. The defence could not call him and then cross-examine him. Court rules. So Jimmy's absence left a huge gap in the evidence. Ace and Max said they were at the flat to chill when they spoke to Darian, who said they should speak to Ricky, who may have information on who robbed them that morning. Max decided to go and see Ricky. Jimmy was going there himself to buy crack. So into Jimmy's car, a silver-green Toyota, went Max, Ace, Lou and Jimmy's little long-haired black terrier dog. Jimmy was part of the Horsham drug scene. He had known Ricky for about 20 years. Max for a couple of months. And he'd never met Ace before that day. Ace said to the police that he was hoping to be dropped off at the railway station so he could return to London to meet up with Queen. Unbeknown to Max or Ace, Jimmy had been in regular contact with Ricky just prior to them arriving at the Burton's Court. Neither Max or Ace had been to the flat at Burton's Court before. It's not known what Jimmy and Ricky said to each other on their phone calls. What happened next is disputed. We should give the first version, which was the story put forward by the prosecution. Max was angry when he was told he had been robbed. When he spoke to Darian and Jimmy at Darian's flat, Max was told by Darian it was possible that Ricky knew something about the robbery. Max told Jimmy to drive him to Ricky's flat at Barton Court. Jimmy knocked the door. Viewed through the door, the spy hole, the door was opened. Jimmy, Jimmy's dog, Ace and Max entered the flat, Lou having stayed in the car. 
The studio flat had two sofas facing each other and a couple of camping chairs. Inside the flat were various members of the Horsham drug scene. Ricky, Steve, Colin, Hitch, a female called Kerry and Tony. They were sat facing a large flat screen TV with a small table in front of the TV with drug paraphernalia, a crack pipe and a hunting knife. Opposite the TV screen and two sofas was a kitchenette area. Further on in the flat there was a separate sleeping area, accessed through an arch which separated the studio flat into two distinct areas, although there was no door or barrier between the two areas. As Max entered, he pulled a knife, faced Tony, saying, You're right, Tony. Then he lunged at him. Tony reached for a baseball bat, but Max stabbed him and continued to stab him. Meanwhile, Ace was holding a knife at the others in the room to intimidate them and to stop them getting involved. But the others ran out the flat. As they left, they were told to keep their mouths shut. The struggle lurched into the sleeping area. We cannot be sure what happened after this point, as there was only Max, Ace, Jimmy and Tony in the flat, all other potential witnesses having fled. However, there isn't any real dispute about between prosecution and defence over what happened next. Ace described it as a left-right struggle that lasted seconds before they'd tussled into the sleeping area part of the flat. Jimmy had picked up his dog, who was barking, and shouted at Max and Tony to stop it! And I didn't know this was going to happen, stop! Ace rushed into the bedroom to try to separate them, but Tony had his hand firmly around Max's neck. With Jimmy's help, they managed to get Tony's arm off of Max's neck. Tony had been reaching for a bag that was jammed between the bed and the wall. And as Jimmy, Max and Ace ran out of the flat, they took the small bag and the knife as they were afraid Tony was coming after them. Tony was well built and stronger than them, but they were fast and lithe. However, Max and Ace were both well over six feet. As he was leaving the flat, Ace said he looked back and he saw Tony standing but not following them. Ace said the whole incident had probably taken less than one minute. The defence's version is complicated in that there were several separate defence barristers representing Max and Ace. However, they mainly agree that Max was going to Rick's flat because he wanted to buy some crack cocaine. Max said that when they entered the flat, he sensed there was something wrong. There was a silence for a few seconds. Then Tony Williams stood up, shouted something after picking up a hunting knife that was on the table and lunged at Max, hitting him and cutting him in the groin area. Max moved back with his hands in a defensive position, then pushed forward and grabbed Tony's wrist that was holding the knife. Max said he was in fear of his life and that his adrenaline kicked in at this point. The other people in the flat began to rush out. Max said he was able to wrest the knife from Tony and swung and poked the knife towards him to force him off. Tony had turned to grab a baseball bat and swung it at Max who managed to fend it off with his hand. Ace, who had been trying to send a text to Queen, looked up and saw the struggle taking place. They then described what happened being in agreement with the prosecution case. Later, Max said, My intentions were to defend myself and not harm anyone. At that point, I'm thinking, I can't die. If he gets the knife, he's 100% going to kill me. 
I accept my actions have resulted in his death, and I'm not happy that he died. He died by the hands of my me, so of course I'm not happy. Max is adamant that Ace had nothing to do with Tony, only trying to pull him off Tony during the struggle. Max said, When I left the premises, I knew Tony was injured, but it never crossed my mind he was going to die. After the struggle, Max and Ace ran out of the flat, taking the small bag and the knife. They were afraid, of, they said, of Tony coming after them. Ace said the whole incident probably took less than a minute. They had arrived at Ricky's flat at nine minutes past five and left the flat at 12 minutes past five. The whole incident had in fact taken three minutes. CCTV shows Jimmy, Ace and Max leaving the flat. Max appears to be running in a hindered fashion as if he has got a groin injury. Jimmy and Ace are walking quickly towards the car. Some of the Horsham drug buddies are standing near Steve's red Volkswagen polo car, which happened to be parked in front of Jimmy's. The drug buddies claim Max is saying, keep your mouth shut. Max said he was asking, what the fuck was that all about? Although Max and Ace had seen blood, they thought Tony was just injured. They just wanted to get out of Horsham as soon as possible. Hitch, one of the drug buddies, had called under the emergency services. They arrived within three minutes. They pronounced Tony dead at 5.45, 19th of September 2017. Death had been caused by a stab wound to the back, which caused the right lung to collapse and fill with blood. And the knife had gone in deep enough to cut the liver. There were also wounds to the lower right of the chest and to the face and the neck. There were stab wounds to the arm and buttocks and defensive injuries to the hand. These were a mixture of severe and moderate force injuries. One thrust had broken a rib bone, a wound to the arm had penetrated the bone, a thrust into the neck had penetrated 17 centimetres and touched the collarbone. The, patho the pathologist who carried out the post-mortem said that due to the massive loss of blood, there were signs of brain damage, the brain having been deprived of blood. Ricky and Hitch are known to have gone back to the flat after Max, Ace and Jimmy had left. Ricky is said to have said, I can't leave Tony, but it's thought that he had gone to remove drug evidence because none was found when the police arrived within minutes. Hitch is thought to have stayed with Tony for a few minutes before going to look for the paramedics. Max, Lou, Ace and Jimmy got into Jimmy's car. When in the car, Max kept hitting the seat, saying, Drive! 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 And then he claimed he felt faint as the result of his injury. They drove back to Darian's house to collect Ace's belongings and the iPod that was charging. The plan was to get on a train to London. Max was upset, hitting the back of his seat, saying, Fuck! Fuck! While in the flat, Lou tried to calm Max, while Ace gathered his belongings. Lou said later that Max was acting strangely, angry, heavy breathing, and just kind of weird. Jimmy had said he would drive them to the station, but he drove off, which meant Ace had to call a taxi at 5.20 to Littlehaven Station. Arriving, they just missed a train. While on the platform, police officers arrested them at 5.55pm. The station was then closed, the announcements giving the reason as an incident. The scene of crimes detectives were called and unpacked a bag they had found with Max and Ace. To prevent cross-contamination, the forensic team used two pairs of gloves so that after an object is taken from the bag, the outer glove is taken off and discarded. 
The items in the bag were individually bagged and labelled. Amongst the items found in the bag included a blood-soaked t-shirt, a BB gun and the knife which was used to kill Tony. A picture of the knife is given on the Facebook and Instagram sites, along with the photos of those involved. When he was being arrested, Max said to the police, Leave my girlfriend out of this, it's nothing to do with her. Lou was arrested for aiding an offender, but was later released without charge. Max also said, I've been stabbed in my groin, but it later proved to be a superficial wound, and there were accusations that Max had stabbed himself in the groin to claim self-defence. Max and Ace were arrested and gave interviews to the police. They were then held in custody and later refused bail. When being held on remand, Ace made some phone calls that were recorded during December 2017. These phone calls indicate that Max and Ace had gone after Tony with a hammer and shank, gun and knives. He also said that he had a, he had a knife but he stashes correctly, but Max kept hold of his. In another phone call, Ace says, my man, my man Max is not innocent. He's a crackhead. Max did it, and now they're trying to do me for joint enterprise. Ace had been warned by the authorities that phone calls were taped, but later explained he found prison an intimidating environment, and using the phone in prison was a difficult experience. When he was on the phone, there would be a line of people waiting to use it, telling him to hurry up. Ace said he was bigging himself up on the prison phone, trying to sound like a tough guy. The trial for the murder of Tony Williams started on the 30th of May 2018. Most of the witnesses called by the prosecution could not be described as good character, having histories of convictions for violence and drugs. There were several witnesses that were central characters that were not called as they were hostile witnesses. A couple were in prison. One witness was a no-show. He had a warrant issued against him, and so he did attend the next day. The no-show witness was Craig Lee. He was a step-cousin to the murder victim, and he knew Max. Darren had suggested to Max that he moved in with Craig to deal, as Craig had bought drugs from Max. On one occasion, when Max was staying at a friend's flat, and Craig had gone to make a drug purchase, Craig claims that Max produced a large hunting knife and said, if anyone only robs me, they're going to get this. The friend's flat where Max was staying at the time was that of Nicholas Lancaster, who had known Tony for 20 years. Lancaster appeared to give evidence saying that Max had stayed with him for two to three weeks during the early summer of 2017. Max gave him drugs in exchange for staying at the flat. Lancaster was tall with tattoos on his neck and hands and a prominent Roman nose. He also said that Max had a large knife when he dealt with drugs from his flat. Lancaster was an important witness as he was at Darien's flat when Ace took a phone call from Max after the robbery. Max was asking questions about Tony Williams. Who was he? Where was he? And similar questions. Other witnesses include Colin Martin, who was another witness that had difficulties reading and writing. He had been a good friend of Ricky S for 40 years. Colin was uncomfortable in the court situation when giving his evidence which didn't amount to much, just backing up evidence already stated. Matthew Hitchens had requested to give his, his evidence behind the screen. He had known Tony for 13 years and stated that Max was the aggressor in the attack.
Hitchens was calling into the flat after he finished work on the 19th. The people who were central to the case but not called as witnesses were Graham Court, who had robbed Ace of drugs during the early morning of the 19th of September with Tony, Jimmy Lamb, aka Chinese Jimmy, who was perhaps Max and Ace's best customer for buying drugs, and who drove them around on the 19th of September, and Darian Bates, whose flat Ace was staying at on the early morning of the 19th of September. During the court case, <clears throat> Max and Ace came across as being presentable, promising young men. They were dressed smartly, spoke clearly and intelligently. Max admitted that he had a drug habit, and he'd been in debt, and he'd started dealing in drugs in late 2016. Character witnesses came to speak on his behalf, to say he was of good prospect. Ace had found himself at a low point when he started to work for Max. He needed to make some quick money before his college course which ironically was to start on the 19th of September. He had taken over the drug dealing in Horsham from Max, but was training Darian up to take his place, so he could move back to London. If Darian could be trained, he would have been a useful dealer, as he had so many drug contacts in the Horsham area. During the court case, a number of expert witnesses were called, mainly for the prosecution. Among their findings, it appeared that Tony had been attacked with a baseball bat after the attack and while he was lying prone. Bloodstains on Ace's clothing indicate that he'd probably been involved in the assault on Tony. The knife used to kill Tony was thought not to be the knife that cut the trousers of Max and inflicted his groin injury. This indicated that Max had cut himself afterwards with a different knife to try to claim self-defence. The prosecution also suggested that Max and Ace were making more money from dealing than they, than they had suggested. There was also discussions over if the knife used to kill Tony belonged to Max, or if it was Tony's knife, whether Jimmy had set up a situation for confrontation. It could be argued the evidence against Ace was not that strong, as he does not seem to have driven events other than perhaps exaggerating the theft in order to have an excuse not to see his girlfriend. However, we cannot know for sure what his intentions and motivations were. During the second week of the trial, the judge offered both an alternative indictment giving them an option of manslaughter, but both defendants pleaded not guilty to manslaughter as well as murder. In this summing up on the 12th of June, Judge Gold highlighted the fact that the defendants had lied during police interviews, denying they were drug dealers or had quarrelled with Tony. This was probably to try to escape a drug conviction, which would probably lead to a prison sentence. But by lying over this, it makes it difficult to believe anything they had to say. Regarding the expert witness evidence, Judge Gold said the jury did not have to accept their evidence. He then gave an overview of the witnesses and the evidence. He said Tony had a high level of cocaine in his blood, which is linked to aggressive behaviour, but his wounds that he suffered were severe and deadly. The evidence that the knife that cut through the four layers of clothing worn by Max not being the murder weapon, was significant, indicating a self-inflicted wound. It was also suggested the robbery for such a small amount, Max coming down the next day without bringing a fresh supply of drugs, was also significant, suggesting the reason for the attack was retribution and giving a reputation as someone not to be robbed. The jury, when they retired to make their final verdicts, were out for three days without coming to any conclusion. Judge Gold called them back and said he would settle for a majority verdict. 
Eventually, Max was convicted of murder, while Ace was convicted of manslaughter by a majority verdict. When sentencing, Judge Gold said the two had gone to Ricky's flat armed with knives. Ace's role was to make sure that no one in the flat stood in his way or tried to help Tony Williams. Sentencing Max, Judge Gold commented, Sadly, you stand before me just 18 years of age. I bear in mind particularly your youth, but at the end of the day, this is a merciless premeditated killing. Max was sentenced to a minimum of 24 years imprisonment. Turning to the second defendant, Judge Gold said Ace did not share Max's intention to kill or cause grievous injury to Tony. However, he believed he posed a risk to the public and therefore qualified for an extended sentence. Ace got 15 years. Judge Gold commented that there was no evidence that Tony had been a drug dealer, but the 36-year-old had been a drug user who'd experienced the peaks and troughs in life. Tony's family released a statement saying how although the family is strong and close, they've been living a nightmare since Tony's death. Tony was kind, wise and caring. The firstborn of five close siblings and the doting father of three beautiful boys. Well, thank you for listening. And if you've got any comments, you can uh, go on to the Strange Stories UK Facebook site and uh, I'll reply to any questions. I also like to thank Damselfly for giving me the rights to play the music from their new album, We Chose the Wilderness, as background for today's podcast. So thank you very much for that. Well, until next time, goodbye. <laughs>